Welcome to episode 624 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Hey, Josh. Richard, it is so good to be back with you. I know. It's both of us. It's a, no, it's not a Tuesday. It's a Monday, which is weird. We're live, which is a surprise, yeah. uh, and we've somehow still got people in the chat room, so happy to have everybody. Uh, I'll probably get a YouTube video up of this since we're live, assuming that it all works till the, until the end, but I am having a weird video issue. It just kind of makes it look like a horror movie every, I don't know, few seconds. Yeah, so you know that whole, maybe. that whole thing in the ring where every once in a while like the picture <laughs> would just kind of zap out and you'd see something else? That's kind of what's going on with Josh right now. Yeah, so like if you... Never really had a reason to go and subscribe to us on YouTube. There you go. That is your reason. <laughs> that would work for everybody but Jen because The Ring is the movie. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, That's awful. Caused Jen to never watch awful. horror movies again. Yep. And it was so good. <laughs> well, we will be able to get right into the news this week because we don't have any listener feedback. If you'd like to send us some, um, our email address is entertainment20 at the digital media zone. Dot com. And that's okay, because we've got a lot to cover from the last couple of weeks. And unfortunately, it's um, not always the greatest news here. So we're going to start with a story about Netflix, kicking it off with video stories as we normally do. And this one is a discontinuation story. Netflix is getting rid of one of their four plans. It is the basic plan that has been axed in both the U.S. and the U.K., and I believe it was previously killed off in Canada also. And this basic plan, we talked about this a couple of months ago when Netflix fully rolled out the ad-supported model, that this basic plan was in a weird spot because the basic plan is $9.99 a month. It does not have ads. It only streams at 720p. They call that HD. It's okay. Uh, and you can only watch it on one device at a time. It's gone now, and remaining are the other three plans, which are premium at the top, standard in the middle, and standard with ads at the bottom. And this was the part that I always thought was weird. So you had basic at $10 a month, or standard with ads at $7 a month, and Standard with ads, like you had ads and basic didn't, but it also got you 1080p streaming. So it, it that that was the part that was weird to me, that you got a better quality picture for less money with ads than you did with basic. And I guess now we just don't have to worry about that weirdness because basic is gone unless you're already a basic subscriber. Then you get to stay on basic. Well, until they tell you to get off their lawn, I guess. Uh, if you wanted to sign up today, Basic is no longer an option. Uh, Richard, as a Netflix shareholder, what's your take on this? <laughs> hey, thanks for doing my disclaimer. You know what they used to call Netflix Basic? Netflix. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, I'm kind of mixed on this because I know that the financial reality of these services is that they do better financially 
with the services that include ads. Whether you want them or not, even though this is how you came to know Netflix as all this content without ads, now they have ads. Now that they have the taste of ads, they don't want to give it up. And I guess the good news is that they are going to allow you to keep that basic tier as long as, and you kind of alluded to this, they allow you to do that. But <laughs> nobody else is going to be able to sign up. So we don't know what that means. We don't know if that's indefinitely, that's until you know their next financial realization that they need to impress their stockholders again for the quarter or what. But yeah, this this is purely dollar motivated. And I can't say I'm surprised. I'm disappointed because it means that their lowest tier is basically now what? It's almost, it's not quite, but almost $10 less than the first no ad tier. So you can come in for $7 with ads or $15.50 for no ads. That's that's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. More than twice the cost to get rid of ads. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've established that I already have the premium service because I went to 4K, I went to spatial audio. And so if you're in that group of customers, you don't have to worry about this. But yeah, I mean, if you were a college student or this was just, you know, one of the things that fit within your budget, it may not fit in your budget anymore. And I know that one of the appeals of streaming services was that they didn't offer ads. Well, that was yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can still make it fit in your budget. In fact, easier if you're willing to deal with ads. Yep. And the whole middle tier being 1550 really feels like a let's make it just expensive enough to get people to go, well, forget it. I might as well just sign up for premium. Right. It's only three fifty more a month. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's I mean it, a month. It's yeah. kind of crazy the difference. Yeah. So uh how about we talk about Peacock? Oh, are we gonna talk about things going away or prices going up? I think we have two choices tonight. <laughs> that is pretty much it for tonight. Mm. All right. Well, so Peacock has announced that it is going to raise its subscription prices. And that's coming in like three weeks. It's coming up fast, actually. So if you are an existing subscriber, you will see the increase on August 17th. And this means that your premium ad supported that was $5. Four ninety nine. I hate those prices, so I'm going to say five dollars is now going to go up to six dollars. And your premium plus, which is the no ad solution, is going to go from ten dollars to twelve dollars. Now, remember, they recently eliminated the tier that had no ads but access to no, no. Let me let me. Let me change it. They recently eliminated the tier that had access to some of their content for free. You did get ads, but you got a preview of their content, so it could kind of draw you in. They got rid of that, so everybody's paying now, and now everybody's going to pay more. 
dollar or $2 more, depending on what you're thinking about. Now, there is good news here. And that good news is that Peacock often has deals where you can save money on your subscription, either three-month deals or uh, initial deals if you're just getting started with it. And these are things that you should look into. The um, Jared Newman, one of we've had him on the show. He's one of the reporters that we watch in terms of news about what's going on in the streaming space. Frequently reports about when they are having specials. He actually reported incorrectly, and he corrected himself this past week that oh, there's a coupon code that you can use now and still get a discount, but it's an old coupon code and it isn't working anymore. But I, there are lots of ways to save money on this, including, and I do this, if you have Amex, certain Amex cards, it's not for all Amex cards, but some Amex cards actually allow you to get a refund for digital media services. And Peacock is one of the services that they refund. So I look at this as I don't pay for Peacock. Because I'm getting a refund for what I'm spending on Peacock, which is pretty cool. Now, the one thing to note here, I think, is that you know if you're going to look at this in terms of, well, how does this compare to other stuff? Well, we just talked about Netflix. It used to be about the same price as Netflix, but Netflix gets more and more expensive. But now it's pretty much what you're going to be spending on Paramount Plus or Paramount Plus with Showtime. And then you have to ask yourself, does Peacock, does the NBC Comcast machine really have enough content in it that warrants that price and that interest as compared to the CBS Paramount catalog? And I think that's, I, I, I mean, I don't like even paying for Paramount, and I kind of <laughs> Don't because I pay for Showtime and so I got Paramount and I know they're the same now, but I would give that one to Paramount if I had to choose. How about you, Josh? Um, I'm well, I, I mean, it really just comes down to what it is that you want to watch. Like yep. for me, yep. the only thing that I can think of on Paramount Plus with Showtime that I've ever been super into and actually gave them money to be able to watch was Homeland. Um, was the Americans on Showtime? No, that was on like FX or something like that. Uh, so right, I can't think of anything else there. And for uh, Peacock, uh, Peacock has sports. Like they have more sports than all of the other services with the exception of ESPN Plus, of course. So it really just depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that I always like to remind people about on the show especially on episodes where we're talking about price increases is you don't have to subscribe to all of these at the same time right if right. you're just binging particular series then just subscribe to the service that has that one series cancel it and switch to the next one that has the next series that you want to watch yep for sure and and that i think is one of the reasons that we raise the comparison, right? Like it may be that you want one service over another, but that doesn't have to be a permanent thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Unfortunately, our next story does tend to be more of a permanent thing, and that is YouTube Premium. Uh, YouTube Premium is a service that I feel like a lot of people don't actually know that much about. It's it, it's a service that gets you the YouTube that you want. <laughs> it's YouTube without all of the ads, but in a way that the creators still make money. It also gets you the ability to listen to music and music videos uh, online, or sorry, offline. Um, and like if you're on a, an Android phone and you want to listen to a video uh, on on your phone while turning the screen off, you can do that, that sort of thing, if you're on YouTube Premium. The biggest problem with YouTube Premium has always been the price. Up until now, it was $11.99 a month. And it's only getting worse. The <laughs> price is going up from eleven ninety nine to thirteen ninety nine a month, and they're not giving you anything new here. It, right. It's not a new feature, and, and I, I maybe that's not a, a fair thing to argue because we didn't attack Peacock for them not giving us new features when they're raising their prices, but. It, it's it, it's not like different content or anything like that. It's the same content just without ads for $14 a month. Or if that's not expensive enough for you, they do have a family plan <laughs> that uh, allows you, if you have a Google family group, which is useful for other things uh, like sharing access to your Google Play Store purchases, and YouTube TV, if you have that. But anyway, with the family plan, it is $22.99 a month. And maybe the one silver lining here is that the family premium plan, the price is remaining the same. It's only going up by $2 a month if you're an individual subscriber. It's interesting. <sighs> yeah. That's that's well, really kind of weird. I wonder why that is. I so I think the premium, the family one just went up recently. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you say that this doesn't get you anything new. <laughs> I mean, with YouTube, I don't know that that's necessarily accurate considering the statistics on the number of hours of new content that goes on YouTube <laughs> every single day. But I've said before, and I still hold to this, <laughs> the day that I backtrack from this is going to be sad because, you know, I have to eat crow a little bit. But I, I don't ever expect to pay for YouTube. I don't want to pay for YouTube. I know we have listeners who are perfectly happy paying for YouTube. I get it. And I get that, you know, just not seeing that reminder to renew, they don't even do it as an upgrade, renew your free, the, remember they gave away free access to this for a while. So if you took advantage of that, then now he's like, renew your plan? Like they're tricking you into <laughs> thinking that, oh, yeah, yeah, I do want to keep. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm not paying anything. I don't want to keep. So just getting rid of the nag screens would be beneficial, but it's not worth $14 a month. It's not. Now I do hear, and we, I think we talked about the fact that their ads are likely going to get more obnoxious over the course of this next year that they are experimenting with, I think, 
it was 30-second spots with a minimum of two 30-second spots that you could not skip in some videos. Yeah, I don't remember the the minimum two per spot, but definitely unskippable 30-second ads on television devices. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's lovely. I, I yeah, no, I'm not doing this. I will put up with the ads and continue on. I, will. I regularly think about subscribing to this. Oh, geez. Like, I, it's our house just watches so much YouTube. It's different when you have kids in the house because yeah. my kids watch so much YouTube. Yeah, and I guess. And that's great because I'm also a Google shareholder. <laughs> and it's becoming a service that I use more frequently now, too. You know, as uh, as things like ChatGPT came into existence, uh, everyone was like, yeah, stop using Google. Like, you don't need Google to, to answer your search queries anymore. All of the answers that you actually need are on YouTube. And it's it's largely true. Like, if there's ever anything I need to fix or do around the house, like, I just open YouTube and search for it there. Sure. And that's where the answer always is. Yeah, but if you just want an answer and don't want to have to watch five minutes to get to it with a bunch of padding on the front and the back and the middle and an ad or two, I think Google and Reddit are still better places to find those answers. If the answers are basically just text, yes. Yeah. But like I I was installing what was I doing? I, I had to pair a new garage door opener. Oh no, that is absolutely <laughs> the number one reason to use YouTube. Absolutely. I spent, yeah, I spent 15 minutes on Google trying to find yep. the right answer. Couldn't figure it out. Went to YouTube. Two minutes later, I was done. Completely. You know? <laughs> so I, I keep considering it, but it's just so expensive. And I would have to like tell the kids, sorry, we're we're not subscribing to Netflix anymore or something like that. And then they would complain and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, they get ads. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to yet another price increase story. <laughs> and unfortunately this time it is a service that I pay for. And that is my beloved Spotify, the premium subscription, which is the normal, like one person plan which has been $9.99 a month since Spotify launched in 2011, is now going up by one whole dollar to $10.99 a month. But basically all of their plans are going up for the most part. Like there's some differences in other countries, but basically premium goes from $9.99 to $10.99 a month. Duo, which is the one that gets you two accounts, goes from $12.99 to $14.99. The family plan, which is what I have, goes from $15.99 to $16.99. And if you're a student, your plan goes from $4.99 to $5.99. So in summary, all of the plans are going up by a dollar a month, except for Duo, which it's Duo. Of course, it's going up by two. That just makes sense. Duh. And like I said, prices basically going up around the world. It's a little bit different for some of the plans in some countries, but it's roughly a financial unit you know whether it's a u.s dollar a great british pound a euro whatever it's basically going up by that all over the place and we knew this was coming they announced it in an 
in their April shareholder meeting, I believe it was, that they were planning to raise prices. And they're raising the prices to the same prices as everybody else. Apple went to to this price scheme last year, then Amazon did, YouTube Music did, Tidal did. Those two are much more recent. I believe those are both this month, actually, maybe in June. So everybody's charging basically the same rate here for streaming music. So none of that is surprising. The part that I got wrong was when I suspected that they would announce this price increase when also actually launching the hi-fi plan. Guess I was wrong about that. We're still waiting on Spotify hi-fi. Which just blows my mind. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so... This is the the story that that's sort of opposite of every other story that we've talked about tonight. Plex has an app that, that's been around for a few years now. It's called Plex Amp, and this is a music player that looks a whole lot like Winamp. Like if you're old, like Richard and I, then you remember Winamp from way, way, way back in the '90s as the way that you listen to your MP3 files. Uh, and yeah. It was so good. I spent was so it? many hours like downloading custom themes that oh. just made it basically unusable. Oh, that's what, <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I didn't like about it. A hundred ways to skin an app. Just make it look like my operating system. There, is, well, there wasn't even one that did that. No, anyway. not really. Not really. But anyway, so, so PlexAmp is a music playing app that allows you to stream your own music library from your Plex server. So if you're not subscribing to any of those music services that we just described, you have all of your own music on your own server. PlexAmp gives you the ability to listen to all of your own music on pretty much anything. They have iOS, Android, Mac, Windows, Linux, CarPlay, Android Auto, AirPlay, Chromecast. There's even a Raspberry Pi specific app for PlexAmp. So you can listen to your stuff everywhere, including, yeah, I mean, everywhere, everywhere. Now, previously, to use PlexAmp, you had to be a PlexPass subscriber. And PlexPass is a service that gets you all sorts of extra features inside of the Plex ecosystem and cost either $4.99 a month, $39.99 for a year, or a $119.99 lifetime subscription. And here's the weird twist of of everything that's going on in this episode. They're making a version of PlexAmp free. It does not require PlexPass anymore. And when I first saw the headline, before I read anything at all about this, I thought, wait, they're taking an app that used to generate revenue in theory and making it free when the last time we talked about Plex we were talking about how they had to lay off a whole bunch of their staff. I don't understand this. Yeah. Then I got into the details. Yeah, (laughs) right. And this actually makes a ton of sense because what they're doing is they're releasing a limited subset of functionality for free. Now, it's not that limited. You can still listen to all of your stuff. They're not injecting ads. It's just you're basically just getting basic playback of your music on all of these things. If you're a PlexPass subscriber, you get tons of extra features. There's 
automatic artist and album mixes. You can download for offline playback. They have all of the sonic analysis functionality that looks at, you know, the the actual musical breakdown of all of the tracks and per, can provide you really interesting playlist based on the the musical analysis of it all. Like it's a lot of features like that. We're not going to go into all of them. If you want to see all of the individual features that come with the Plex Pass version, click the link in our show notes over at www.thedigitalmediazone.com and you can see every single little feature that comes along with it because it is a lot. So it, it makes sense. It's the freemium model. You get the free version, you pay for extra, you get more features. What's a little bit interesting there though is that it's not like PlexAmp is the only thing in PlexPass. There's all of the video service stuff and like Plex does so many other things. But this, it seems like an experiment of, hey guys, we need to come up with other ways of getting people to sign up for PlexPass. And maybe if we give them a free version to let them know exactly what PlexAmp is, that will be enough to get them interested in paying for PlexPass. Is that... Is that how you're interpreting this, Richard? Yeah, kind of. Although I don't know that it's enough, right? Like I, I've, I've felt that FlexPass was a good deal from the start. Uh, you, you get a ton of stuff in FlexPass. A lot of the DVR features and all that sort of stuff that we talk about all the time is built upon the FlexPass subscription. But they've also had this model where Certain features that they roll out, they will typically roll them out first to FlexPass customers and then just make them wholesale available to everybody. Not all features, but some. I don't recall a feature in the past where they've said, and now this is available for everyone, sort of. We have a different version of it that everybody else can use. But if you want all the features, you have to use the pay. This seems like a new model for them, but it also seems like a smart model for them. And, I, I, you know, I don't have a problem with this. As we're talking about the PlexPass service, this is a fair time for us to put in the disclaimer that we, you and I, both have complementary PlexPass subscriptions from Plex so that we can continue to see all the features and talk about them and have an understanding of how this thing works. That, you know, I, I get that as we're talking about $120 fee for a lifetime subscription, but it still seems like the best way to get everything you want. Now, that said, Josh, do you use FlexAmp? I do not. Okay, neither do I. Why is that? Uh, because... I don't buy music anymore. I use music streaming services, aka Spotify. Okay, that's that's interesting. So Spotify used to do what this does. This has the ability to take your current existing, your physical library of files or digital library of files and create playlists and recommendations and everything else based on that. That's kind of what, Spotify was founded on. Right. That's not really a thing anymore. And this service is filling that gap for the people who are probably 
most likely to still be interested in purchasing digital media. And I think that is very, very smart. Yeah, completely agree. And even if you're not buying much digital media anymore, we there are plenty of listeners to this show that we've talked to who they just have massive libraries of music that they've been collecting for decades right. that they've put on their Plex servers that where many of those tracks or or wholesale albums aren't available on services like Spotify. Spotify doesn't right. have everything. It has almost everything, but it or, doesn't have everything. Or more infuriating, and yeah, I'm going to say it, we told you so, isn't available anymore. Right. So yep. this still allows you to enjoy those tracks that you own in combination with recommendations and all the other goodness that you get from all these other streaming apps. Right. Right. So. If you have a digital music library, check this out. Like this, the the basic Plex server doesn't cost you any money. And now PlexAmp doesn't cost you any money. And so if you've been wanting to, to listen to your own collection of music, basically anywhere, this is like, I can't think of a better way of doing it than through PlexAmp. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So. Let's move on to gaming news for the week. Now, there's been a lot of stuff happening with the Microsoft Microsoft's attempted acquisition of Activision Activision Blizzard King and uh it's almost done, I think. So, we're not going to go into all of the details. The last we talked, there was the initial preliminary injunction ruling where the FTC where the FTC lost and the FTC appealed that ruling but the next judge said nope we're we're not going down this road road and then eventually the ftc said fine and they have suspended their challenge so for all intents and purposes the ftc has given up on trying to block microsoft's acquisition here the only thing actually remaining is the uk's competition markets authority the cma over there and the other little sticking point was that when this acquisition was first announced, they both put it, both companies, Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, put a deadline on it of July, I believe it was 18th. And July sometime ago. Yeah, July sometime last week. And that if the deal did not finalize by then, then Microsoft would have to pay Activision, Activision Blizzard. I don't know why I can't say that today. Uh, something like $3 billion uh, for basically not fulfilling their promises. This all looks like it's going to happen. So they've restructured that. They've extended the deadline on the acquisition to now be October 18th. And the UK CMA is finally starting to play ball. They're willing to negotiate now. So it looks like this is finally actually going to happen. There's There's really no one else left to try and stop this even sony is basically stopping they agreed to microsoft's 10-year offer to keep call of duty on playstation consoles like they've signed with many other cloud gaming providers and, and things like that so this is almost definitely going to happen could be sometime in the month of august but should be should hopefully be 
before this October 18th deadline, and then we can finally stop talking about this. <laughs> can we? I don't know that I believe that. So I, I have a couple questions for you. I've been really interested listening to the news take, meaning the general popular news take, and in some cases, political news take on what's going on here. The general opinion on opinion-based news sites seems to be that everybody loses here because the big companies are going to just get bigger. And this was a quintessential case of that and shows that this administration and probably no other can do anything to properly suppress that. Meanwhile, the tech industry, I think, is heralding this as about time, <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of crazy, the contrast between the political perspective of this and, and, and again, it's, it's everybody, for, largely in the political side. All parties are saying, yeah, big, big businesses, big mergers, bad. This was an example of that. And this is bad for consumers. And yet I think the people who are really more in the know about this industry in particular and this merger in particular are saying, finally, this, this made sense. There were always accommodations on the table to make all parties happy. This extension of this deadline to avoid any sort of penalties is a joint decision between both parties. It's really just been the legislatures that have been holding things up. Right. I I think there's for sure pros and cons to this. I think that there there is still a very real possibility that f future Activision Blizzard games, with the exception of Call of Duty, do end up being Xbox slash microsoft exclusives of course and in general i don't like that bad. i don't like yep. console exclusives that's yep. bad however I, I i think that this this one merger this one acquisition does actually have the potential to be positive for consumers because it does help give the distant third place company in the console gaming space a more competitive advantage which could like when competition is a real thing it does typically benefit consumers but it also could mean really good things for future mobile and cloud gaming offerings that i don't think we're we're really seeing yet and and we're we still just don't quite know how especially cloud game streaming is going to change the marketplace. There are some people that think that the that game consoles will largely die, that we won't need them anymore because you'll just buy a controller, it will pair to your TV, and you will stream everything over your high-speed internet. I mean, I, there were predictions that that would happen years before now. Yeah, and, and I do think that that's a very realistic possibility. And... This does help Microsoft continue to do that. And maybe in 20 years, we're looking back and saying, wow, there is really only one player in this place. Microsoft does have a monopoly on cloud game streaming. 
And if they wouldn't have gotten Activision, Activision Blizzard, then maybe they wouldn't have been so far out in front. But I don't, I don't think that would be a fair analysis because Microsoft is way out in front regardless of Activision Blizzard right now. They're right. way out in front because they're both a gaming company and a, and cloud, a company. cloud company. Right, exactly. So I, I think that was going to be the case anyway. This is huge for mobile. And when Microsoft first started saying that, that this was largely about mobile, everyone was like, yeah, whatever. We know this is about Call of Duty. No, I really think it is about mobile. Half, half of all Call of Duty players right now, this year, play on mobile. Half of the 90 million uh, Call of Duty players are playing on a phone. Genshin Impact, massive on mobile. Fortnite, massive on mobile. And Microsoft has nothing in the mobile space outside of cloud streaming, which sounds like isn't really going the greatest just yet. So this could be really, really huge for getting another big player into mobile gaming. And again, the more players in an ecosystem, the more competition generally that's better for consumers. The And the last thing that I'm going to keep railing on as long as this is up in the air is the the people who are the biggest winners here are the employees of Activision Blizzard because they have faced some of the worst working conditions in the industry. And Microsoft is not willing to play by those rules. They are far, they just have far better working uh, conditions than, well, than Activision Blizzard for sure. And I, I think that we, when this deal goes through, we will start to see a change in that culture at all of the studios within Activision Blizzard. So yeah, there you go. All right. So let's move on to a, a story that I I kind of feel like a lot of the gaming industry is kind of getting wrong. Um and, and they're making kind of a bigger deal out of this than I think it actually is. So Microsoft for the last few years, ever since they launched Xbox Game Pass, they've They've really had a couple of different services, especially when you focus on the Xbox console. For 20 years now, there's been Xbox Live Gold, and that was a service that, by and large, was the service that you paid monthly or annually for to be able to play online multiplayer games. Eventually, the service expanded into giving you free games every single month. That happened... 2013-ish, right around the time that the Xbox One was launching. But that's largely been what Xbox Live Gold was. Then, in I believe 2016, Xbox Game Pass gets announced, and it's basically just a game subscription service. You pay $10 a month, you get access to a large catalog of games to play, and all of the first-party Xbox games launch day one into Game Pass. That's what Game Pass is, okay? This is changing slightly come September. Xbox Live Gold, as we know it, is being killed, at least they're saying that it is, as of September 1st. It's being replaced by a service called Xbox Game Pass Core. Xbox Game Pass Core, just like Xbox Live Gold, gives you the ability to play multiplayer games. The one real difference here is that where with Xbox Live Gold, they gave you two or three games 
to keep as long as you have an active subscription that were really for the last few years pretty terrible titles that they would include for free in there. They're getting rid of that part and instead giving you a much smaller catalog of games that you can play whenever you want. It's a catalog they're saying of over 25 games, whereas the full Xbox Game Pass library is hundreds of games. I believe it's over 400 at this point. So much smaller catalog, and you're not getting day one releases of uh, Xbox first-party games here. But that's that's the real difference. It is a new name. They're giving you a small catalog of games that you always have access to in addition to keeping the online multiplayer stuff. And it's even the same price. Xbox Live Gold, for a long, long time, has been $9.99 a month or $59 a year. Same price here for Xbox Game Pass Core. It's the same service with a different name, and they're changing what games you get along with it. Everything else is the same. And people are making a bigger deal about this and how it's uh, it's super confusing that there's this Xbox Game Pass Core for $10 a month or regular Xbox Game Pass for $11 a month that doesn't give you online but does give you this larger catalog of games. Like, you can absolutely say that's confusing because it it kind of is, but that's not new. It's been confusing like this for years. And and then the the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate plan, nothing changing there either, which is basically a combination of core and the regular Xbox Game Pass subscription, where you get the full library of, of Game Pass games plus the online multiplayer except that you also get the cloud game streaming and you get Game Pass on PC. And that is $16.99 a month for that. So again, the only thing that's actually really changing here is the name from Xbox Live Gold to Xbox Game Pass Core and the free games that are included. The last detail worth mentioning, because if you've been a long time Xbox Live Gold subscriber, then you're wondering, what about all of these games that I've claimed over the last 10-ish years of this service? Well, you still mostly get to keep them. If you claimed Xbox 360 games, you get to keep them forever. Just period, you keep them forever. If there were Xbox One games that you claimed as part of Xbox Live Gold, you get to keep those as long as your subscription remains active. So. You know, if you just let your Xbox Live Gold turn into Xbox Game Pass Core, or you've been a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber for a while, you'll get to keep those games as long as your subscription remains active. It's not as confusing of a story as a lot of the the rest of the (laughs) games media wants you to believe. At least not confusing in some new way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess the the thing that I didn't realize is that, and maybe this is new, but if you lose access to the previous games that you've redeemed, like the Xbox One games, when you stop subscribing, that means that all these past years that I've paid for Xbox Live Gold is basically in the trash as I've been accumulating games, because that's really the only reason that I was 
subscribing <laughs> was to get the occasional good game that someday I may play. And they're going to go away. And I didn't either I didn't realize that that was a thing or that's new as part of this transition. I don't think that's new, although what I'm not sure of, and I've never been sure of this, is let's say you subscribed forever, your subscription lapses now, and you sign up again next month. Do you get access to all of them again next month? Oh, interesting. Yeah. You might, but I'm not positive of that. And frankly, the reason that I've never really taken the two minutes to, I guess that's something I would Google, not search for on YouTube, is <laughs> I just don't care. Like, there's there's not very many games in the Games with Gold library that I would be really upset if I lost access to. There's a couple, probably. But I still wouldn't be that upset because they're old and they regularly go on sale for really giant discounts. Mm. And if I had to pay five bucks to get Project Cars 2 again or something, okay, fine. It's five bucks. Portal 2. <laughs> they had Portal 2. Yeah, Portal. That, that's a great example. But I think Portal 2 is regularly on sale. Like, just add it to your wish list and then you'll get notified when it goes on sale next time. Yeah. And someday maybe I'll play them. Right. And for you specifically, none of this actually matters because you're not going to play any of these games anyway. Right. It didn't make sense to begin with, right? No. Exactly. Exactly. You don't even have a modern console anymore, right? Well, I have an S at the vacation home. Oh, yeah. You did get a Series S for the, for the vacation rental. Yeah. I forgot about that. Right. Okay. One more real quick Game Pass story. And this one isn't even all that relevant if you're in the US, except for it'll be a dream killer of a story for you. The friends and family preview that was launched last year, and when it was launched, wasn't called a preview, but now they're calling it a preview, uh, is ending as of August 15th. It's going away in all of the markets where it was available, Ireland, Colombia, what always seemed like a random smattering of countries to me. It's going away. You won't have access to it anymore. And Frankly, it sounds like it's not coming back. I don't think they're killing this preview uh, as part of like rolling out a bigger, you know, fully fleshed out family plan. I think it's just going away. So that's sad news. Yeah. It, but I mean, given the distribution and availability of that program, it didn't seem like it was ever going to be something permanent. I, I don't know. Like they, Companies sometimes test things in non-U.S. markets to see how they go before rolling them out in the U.S. Yeah. It, it happens. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for all of our news tonight. So let's get into another fun segment of what's going on in our entertainment centers. So, Richard, what's been going on in your entertainment center? So much stuff. And not just my entertainment center, but my networking cabinet as well. So, you know, we – I alluded previously to the whole Paramount Plus Showtime merger where these two services were coming together into one service. And so if you had Paramount Plus and Showtime, now you basically just have one thing and it has all the things. It's Paramount Plus. But it's not as seamless as you might have hoped it would be. So for example, when we talked previously about, I think it was the HBO transition and how 
they were bringing discovery content in and it would remember what you've watched and what you like and what is what you want to watch. Yeah. So Paramount didn't do that. So if you had stuff in Showtime in your Showtime app that was on a wish list or on the I'm watching this, so the next episode I'd be watching is episode whatever, all that lost. At least that was my experience on Apple TV using the Paramount Plus and Showtime channels when they were merged into the Paramount Plus channel. I lost all of my history in any of the recent stuff and anything that I was interested in and bookmarked or whatever you called it in that app went away from Showtime and I had to start all over again. That's crazy. Right? I, I, I can't believe they did that. Holy cow. Now, I don't know if that's everyone's experience on all platforms, but that's how poorly they did it on the Apple TV channels offering. So very, very disappointing there. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think I mentioned when I was talking about something I was watching on Plex called Grand Designs, a long-standing 23-season TV series about a designer that goes and visits various architecture projects and works with the builder to give you a months-long, sometimes years-long video um, kind of expose of how the project went. And I think I also mentioned that the data that Plex was showing for the season I was watching was wrong. So, for example, I was actually wanting to see series, I think it was 12, and that's what they offered, but it's not 12. It's 14. They listed as 12, but it's really series or season 14. And what that means is that every episode, every description, every thumbnail picture is wrong. It's telling you about a different episode in season 12, but you're really watching something from season 14. So I thought, you know what? I should try to report this to Plex. Josh, I don't know when the last time is that you tried to actually file a support ticket with Plex, but I found it to be crazily difficult. I can't. I'm not sure if I've ever filed a Plex support request. <laughs> now, we always talk about how they have great documentation and they have great user forums and lots of information. And on their site, I could find no way of getting information to them, of saying, hey, you got something wrong. You should fix this. Through Google, I managed to find a Google form that some industrious employee at Plex set up to report bad data on their TV service. And I was finally able to fill that out and provide them with some feedback. Now, I haven't followed up yet to see if it's been fixed, but hopefully somebody actually received the input from that Google form as, I don't know, an entry on a spreadsheet somewhere and somebody's looking at it to find out, is there anything that we need to fix? And you're you're going to give us the link to that form so we can put it in the show notes, right? Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, <laughs> let me make a note of that right now. Okay, yes. And um, also, while I was working on my server environment and my content, 
libraries. I did a little bit of research and I went to install the Drobo desktop app on my newer Mac. I hadn't actually put it on my newer Mac yet. And when I went to do that, I learned that Drobo, the company Drobo, now owned by some other company and dead. Yep, dead. They don't sell Drobos anymore. There is no more Drobo product available for purchase, and they no longer offer support for Drobo products. They have gone to, and I quote, a self-serve model for customer support. Uh, Which basically means their old documentation. (laughs) Right. And if anything ever goes wrong with any of your Drobos, perhaps even still under warranty, too bad. What? (laughs) How? How crazy is that? Right? Like, this happened, I think, two or three months ago. They announced it. Yeah, I'm on the website now. It actually says as of January 27th. January. January, yes. Robo support and products are no longer available. Yeah. How about that? Thanks for spending money with us for the last decade and a half. We have a new owner who didn't manage to make it through COVID. So, sorry, Chapter 7 time. So, that's actually what's driving this. The parent company filed for Chapter 11, had a hard time through COVID. Also, help me understand how storage solutions for content available to people over the cloud weren't useful during COVID. I might suggest this company didn't quite understand what their business was and how to leverage it. But for sure, they went into chapter 11 and that is now transitioned into chapter seven, which means that their effort to reorganize or sell has failed and they're likely going to have to close the company down. So what does that mean? That means I'm suddenly looking at my Synology differently than I was before. (laughs) Perhaps I should be leveraging my Synology more and my Drobo less. And I have started to rethink how I'm provisioning content on one or the other. And actually, just even as recently as earlier this evening, moved one of my larger drives for my Drobo over to my Synology so that I can bump up the space that I have there in an effort to ultimately maybe just move everything over to what is still, as of today, a supported platform. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. So So, so the theme of the show continues between things that are getting more expensive or or dying. Right. I know. Crazy. Wow. Crazy. All right, so I I had also talked about my Wi-Fi problems that I've been having, and I'm so frustrated because I had so many good years using Unify, and in this house, for some reason, it just has not worked out for me. Well, after talking with a number of people over the last few weeks and having purchased four Eero devices to spread new, different, perhaps maybe better, Wi-Fi around my home, I decided, you know what? I want to give Unify one more chance. And so I purchased a Unify Dream Router, which is the basically the 
new iteration of the unified dream machine, which was their consumer grade router and server thing to manage your home network. This is the new version of that. They don't, they no longer have the dream machine on a consumer based level. They only sell that on the pro level now. And I set it up this weekend and except for my Sonos, which is always a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff is working well. I have managed to fix the problem that was causing issues with my studio computer, not connecting and uh, not accessing Zoom properly and other things and going offline constantly. I don't know if it was that because I changed a bunch of stuff trying to get everything fixed this weekend because, you know, when you put a new router in, you pretty much have to go and revisit all your stuff and make sure that it's all working right. And so, so far now I am barely 30 hours into this, but so far so good. And I may end up either returning or selling my Euro equipment. Well, we'll see. And of course I'll report back. So, so were you able to do your whole house with just the router or do you also have access points? Oh no, no, no. I have access points around. And that's what was so frustrating. Like I had been running access points around the house on the same controller software off my Synology that I had used when I was out in Annapolis. And it all worked fine out there. But here, for some reason, it was just getting lots of problems. So, yeah. So now I have the Dream Router and the three access points. So a total of four throughout the home, covering all three levels. And so far, seems to be working pretty well. Nice. It's about time. It sure has made recording the show with you a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. We've had no problems yet. So give us two minutes and we'll cut <laughs> off. All right. So as far as content, we finished watching The Crown season five. So now we're waiting for season six. I think that's not even coming until sometime next year. So it's going to be a wait for that. We are happy that what we do in the shadows season five is started now. And so we're enjoying that. We also started watching FUBAR. I'm not going to describe what that stands for. I think people know. And it is it is a surprisingly similar to True Lies series on Netflix starring Schwarzenegger. Really? And his daughter, who both happened to work for the CIA and they didn't know it. so wow yeah like very bizarre how close in concept it is to true lies and that was probably intentional right like true lies was very true lies was very successful it became kind of like a cult classic and i think they're trying to leverage that concept and it's fun it's kind of a it's a mid-level budget i guess like they're shooting on location but you can tell when they're not and when they're not it's kind of cheesy and it's probably not the best writing but it's fun and entertaining and you know it's yet another thing where you get to watch schwarzenegger shoot things so (laughs) that's fun right sure And then I mentioned that I was watching Grand Designs season 14, even though it's called 12, on Flex TV, and we're continuing to do that. Also started watching The Cabin Chronicles, which is an interesting little 
I guess I'd call it a series, but it's a series of shorts on Discovery now on Max about cabins kind of all over the place. And it's maybe like a seven or eight minute interview vignette kind of thing with the owners about their properties and why they built them and what's so special about them. And that's it. And many of them are available for rental. My only frustration about this whole thing is that they don't let you know how to find them on rentals because some of them are really cool and I'd love to look them up and consider going there. So that's something to look into. Also on the um, home front, I've been sucked into, I have to admit it. And if you're watching the live show, I am properly attired for the Barbie premiere this weekend that I haven't seen yet, but I absolutely want to see even in a theater, hopefully sometime this week. And uh, I've been watching the HGTV Barbie dream house challenge (laughs) where they are taking a random house in LA, I think, and trying to turn it into the complete abomination that will eventually be a Barbie dream house. Unlivable, but certainly fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. And it is done as one of these cross-show, cross-celebrity, like HCTV celebrity competition things where they have folks paired up from different shows and each pair does a set of rooms and then they judge on who wins the week and then whoever wins the week each week goes to the final round and they can potentially win the whole thing. What they win, I don't know. I don't care. It's just ridiculous nonsense and kind of fun. Also, totally want to see Barbie. Anyway, moving on, been watching more of Schmigadoon Season 2, more of Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2. I mentioned I was rewatching Jack Ryan from the beginning. I'm now near the end of season two, so hopefully it won't be too long before I get to the current season, season four. I have been watching, oh man, it's so crazy. The Jury on Amazon. Are you familiar with this, Josh? This is the one that, is this the one that's on Freebie? Yes. The, yes. I've heard a little bit, but for the listeners, yeah. Bring them so up to speed. basically, this is a fake mockumentary. Now, I know that sounds redundant, right? (laughs) So it's a mockumentary about a jury, but what's fake about it is that one guy in the jury thinks it's all real. Everyone else is an actor. (laughs) Including really good. It is. It's so funny. Including James Marsden, who you may know from a number of different movies. I forget the name of his character in the X-Men, the guy that wore the glasses, because if he didn't, he'd laser people. Cyclops, thank you. And the uh, he was the prince in uh, Enchanted. He's been in a ton of different movies, and he plays a serious D-bag version of himself. <laughs> of himself. In <laughs> this show, it is so so funny. I am I'm really glad that I finally came around to watching it because I've 
read a lot of stuff about it and it sounded funny and I just had to try it. So yeah. And then I don't know if I mentioned on the show or not, but I, the, the only movie that we've really watched recently was the, uh, the Marvel movie, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Not really that good. Didn't really enjoy it that much. And I think you and I chatted about this, Josh, and you were like, yeah, I could have told you. You weren't going to like that. It wasn't really that good. Probably the worst of the movies we've seen. Oh, no. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, oh, really? Th- this was the one that was uh, directed by the guy who did Evil Dead, right? I have no idea. Oh, come on. I I thought this one was okay. I liked the original Doctor Strange a lot better. Yep. I, I hope I'm not contradicting my own review from like a year ago or whenever this thing came out in theaters and we went and saw it. I thought it was okay, I think. Yeah, I I don't know. I, like, it was it's nowhere fine. near as bad as oh god, what was the one with all of the? It, it was like a whole new set of the characters. Eternals. The Eternals. The Eternals. Like, that was just the awful. Eternals was terrible. That was just awful. This wasn't yep. anywhere near as bad nope. as the Eternals. You're right. <laughs> You're right. It wasn't. It wasn't. All right. And then ebook wise, I uh, finished the book that I was reading and started reading Bossy Pants. Uh, that's the Tina Fey autobiography about her life so far. And it was, I don't know, it's probably almost 10 years old now, but I really enjoyed it. It was fun. And now kind of for work, I'm reading Quiet Leadership, which is uh, an interesting business book about how to influence people to do better in a way that actually works as opposed to just giving people advice on stuff. And that is interesting. I'm liking it. I don't normally like business books. The people I work with love them. I'm not (laughs) such a business book person, but uh, so far I am enjoying this. And one thing I just wanted to bring attention to, I'm listening to a new podcast now called Everybody in the Pool. I'd never heard of this before. And the only reason that I'm listening to it, and it's worth it for me, is that it's Mollywood's new thing. Mm. So as I mentioned in the past, she's kind of gone on her own now as an investor in technologies to help save the earth. And in her, among her efforts that she's taking on in her green, 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 wow. In her green investments, that could be the title in her green investment quest is spreading the word about companies that are doing really good stuff to help out. And this is a show specifically about that. So again, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, it's called Everybody in the Pool. It has a number of really good guests so far. And if you like Molly and you like her kind of take on things, you'll probably enjoy the show. So that is it for me. Hopefully you didn't hear my dog barking through that entire last bit, but I will pass to you, Josh. What have you been doing in your entertainment center? <laughs> and and have no fear. These great microphones that we use, I, I didn't hear your dog at all. All right. We're good. Okay. Well, I apparently have not been home as much as you have, so I have not been watching or playing or Uh, Well, a little bit of reading, nearly as much as you have. On the gaming side, 
still, you know, Diablo 4 is still the main thing for me, but it's taking us so long to get through it. Uh, we are now a little bit into Act 4 of 6, I think. Um, I I hope that we're going to be done soon because now Season 1 content is out and I would like to start playing that. Um, if you're not sure, well, what, what happens in Season 4-ish of Diablo 4? Because you're probably a month and a half ahead of me at this point. That's when you get the horse. I finally got a horse in Diablo 4, which is interesting because this weekend, when some of the other people that I played Diablo with weren't around, I decided I really need to just go back and finish playing The Last of Us. So I spent a couple of nights playing The Last of Us and coincidentally finished last night in a place where I'm on a horse. So I don't know how those two lined up so perfectly together, but... I am about two thirds of the way through the game, and ah, the, I, the game. Which game now? Diablo. Sorry, The Last of Us. The Last um, of Us. Okay. Yes. So, getting close to that, and I, I was telling my friend Joe uh, where I was in the game, and and he's like, "Let me go and and check the uh, how long to beat time for this for this game." Yeah, it's only 14 hours for the whole game. Like, hurry up and finish this game, Josh. Yeah, it's taking me forever. So hopefully, I would really like to finish this within the next couple of weeks, but I don't know how realistic that is. We'll see. Uh, Diablo needs to come first. But uh, if my Diablo guys aren't around, I'll be playing The Last of Us to try to finish that so that I can then watch the show on HBO. Yeah. And And then... Probably by the second game because they're making a second season. Right. And so when you do that, I want to rewatch with you. Oh, okay. I mean, not like, you know, the co-watching thing. Oh, we should totally do that because you no. hate that. We should totally do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. But <laughs> but I want to rewatch it while you're watching it because I, oh, man, I love that. It's absolutely worth rewatching. Cool. Cool. I will. I will let you know when I get there. Um, and then I think I mentioned, maybe I mentioned on the last episode that we finished season one of Silo, loved it, absolutely loved it. Can't wait for season two. It has been renewed. Very excited about that. Uh, but now that I think about it, I think that means we could cancel Apple Plus because I'm not sure that there's anything on there that we care that much about. Apple TV Plus, sorry. Uh, books. I finished iRobot. I might have mentioned that last time. Very good. Definitely go and read that. And then started and finished a book that Jen recommended to me called Dark Matter by a an author named Blake Crouch. This is it's in the sci-fi category, but it's more like present day sort of sci-fi, but it's all about like Schrodinger's cat sort of stuff. And I I really don't want to get any further into it because it, it could start to become spoilerish. If you're into that sort of sciencey stuff and a little bit of an act, a little bit of action, um, I think you will really like this book. I loved this book; it was really good. So that was Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, and that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center. So, Richard, speaking of entertainment centers, you've been doing something cool related to a really big entertainment center. Yeah, not mine, unfortunately, but I went out to the Chicago area to help my friend Adam finish up his home theater. Well, I say finish. It's not really quite finished yet, 
And we recorded an episode on site of the Smart Home Show, where he and TJ and I all talked about the final-ish phases of putting together his home theater and where things stand and how we all kind of think about it at this point. And I think it was a, a really fun episode. We enjoyed doing it and listening back to it. I think it probably is, while not the final episode of this season, or of this series, rather, there will be one more about his home theater. Probably the best in terms of seeing it all come together, like seeing how all the pieces end up coming together or not coming together right near the end of a project. So you can find that at smarthome.fm. Awesome. Awesome. It's been a fun project to listen in on as you all have been working through it. And if if y'all haven't listened to it, you should go and listen to it just to hear how big the screen is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It might surprise you how big of a screen he was able to put in his basement. Yeah. It it it's yeah. It's basically an entire wall. Yeah. And you put that together, right? If I yeah. remember this correctly. Yeah, I assembled yeah. the screen. It was great. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes also. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, there's a lot of ways you can do it. All of our contact information is over on the website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com, where you can find notes about everything that we talked about tonight and all of our contact information, that email address, where we are on social. I'm still on Twitter or X or whatever the hell Elon Musk is going to call it to whenever <laughs> you're listening to this. Josh Pollard there. Uh, Richard and I are both on Mastodon. Our names are just Josh Pollard and Richard Gunther over there. And uh, yeah, we now that Richard's got his networking issues figured out, maybe we'll be back to more regularly doing the show live. So check Hopefully. out the live show, usually Tuesday-ish, around 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And if you can't make the live show, but you still want to see it and see Richard's pink shirt and pink lighting, then make sure you go over to YouTube <laughs> and subscribe to the channel and ring the bell so that you get notified when that video is available. Because that's going to do it for episode 624. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye. <laughs>